The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. An earnings beat from Berkshire Hathaway, but some questions still lingering. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. We do pretty much have blowout earnings from Berkshire Hathaway. Billionaire Warren Buffett's conglomerate reporting second quarter operating income that beat the average analyst estimate. And that was thanks in large part to strengthen its insurance unit. Why do I say that? Because Berkshire had a 74% increase in insurance underwriting earnings. That's as it cut costs and raised prices at Geico. The thing is, price hikes and pullbacks and ad spending like that, well, they can backfire. And that could be happening. Over the last 12 months, policies in force decreased by $2.7 million and that does suggest the cuts to advertising spending are costing the conglomerate's auto insurers some market share there. And another thing to watch for, Berkshire's railroad unit, BNSF. Well, profit there fell 24%. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. In the States, the earnings season is nearing an end. And in the week ahead, we have several key reports due. We have a preview now from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. We've heard from roughly 80% of S&P 500 companies, but there will be plenty more to come this week amid questions about current market valuations given the prospects for corporate earnings. Nadia Lovell is senior U.S. equity strategist at UBS Financial Services. We think at some point that the baton has to be passed to earnings and the outlook for that remains somewhat subdued in our expectations. We're looking for sort of mid-single-digit growth over the next 12 months. And so we think that this market is probably capped as a result of the earnings outlook. Among this week's most closely watched reports will be Walt Disney. We'll also be hearing from UPS, Lilly, Take-Two Entertainment, and Rivian Automotive in New York. Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. As we headline, Fed Governor Michelle Bowman says the U.S. Central Bank may need to do more, hiking rates further in order to fully restore price stability. Bowman says she supported the decision to raise rates at the Fed's meeting last month, and she wants to see more proof of sustained disinflation. So, like the rest of us, she's watching inflation data very closely. She said she's keeping a close eye out for signs of slowing in consumer spending and more hints that the labor market could be weakening. Well, former U.S. As Treasury Secretary Larry Summers was saying, a soft landing for the American economy looks more likely than it previously did. However, he's concerned about inflation picking up steam. This is after the July jobs data showed a rise in wages. Here is Summers speaking earlier on Bloomberg's Wall Street Week. If you look at wage inflation, it was faster for the month than for the quarter, faster for the quarter than for the year, and running for the quarter at about 4.9%. That's not consistent with 2% underlying inflation. I don't think we can yet be confident that we're not going to see a reacceleration of inflation at some point down the road. And that's the thing that I'm focused on. 
That is former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, and has he pointed out average hourly earnings increased in July by more than economists had predicted. However, overall job growth was below forecast, and interestingly, data from a separate survey produced an unexpected drop in the unemployment rate. Brian. Mm, Yeah, it's really curious and something uh, that we can get into with our guests coming up. Well, foreign buying of Japanese equities is said to have exceeded that of Chinese peers for the first time uh, since 2017. Let's get the story. Here's Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao in Hong Kong. Global funds snapped up $1.38 billion of Japanese stocks in the last week of July, according to official data. Optimism is running high even after the Bank of Japan adjusted its ultra-easy monetary stance. And it comes as investors sell Chinese equities on a net basis. China is losing out due to concerns about economic growth and geopolitical tensions with the West. Investors are wary about whether Beijing stimulus will bear fruit. Meantime, some strategists argue that recent changes at the BOJ would turn out to be a positive. They say with a big overhang removed, stocks will be able to rise further. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie L. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And coming up in our interview with Benjamin Netanyahu, he pulls back on the most aggressive elements of the judicial overhaul. Ed Baxter will have that story for you once the makeup of the Judge Selection Committee is changed. Other steps can be halted. Stay tuned. We'll also be playing an excerpt from that coming up. Doug, just on that last point from Bonnie there, Japan attracting more equity flows than China. No surprise, really. We've we've seen the, the Nikkei gain 14% year-to-date in uh, U.S. dollar terms, while China and Hong Kong are negative. And as she said there towards the end, investors still doubt the efficacy of the stimulus that we've heard about. Meantime, here in the States, we had uh, commentary from Bank of America on Friday. The bank, Brian, saying that clients fled equities as they moved to adopt a more kind of risk-off approach, given a lot of the concerns about economic contraction here in the States. We've been talking a lot about soft landing, but according to B of A, some of the clients are concerned about contraction and private clients sold stocks in the five days through August 2nd. However, at the same time, bond purchases, the strongest since October in the past two weeks. Yeah, we'll see if that bears out in the short term. That sounds like a little bit more of a long-term story. Growth is actually popping pretty good in the U.S. The Atlanta GDP now growth number is 3.86%. However, when you look at and you wonder, you wonder whether that leads to higher inflation. And maybe that's ultimately, because the Fed has to respond to that, maybe that's ultimately what uh, does drive growth down uh, sometime you know, down the road. The other thing I want to point out very quickly is the move on the part of uh, the PBOC last week to vow uh, a more flexible approach and to use some policy tools to ensure uh, ample liquidity in the banking system. So the story on China involves uh, additional support. Yep, more is coming. We have Mira Pandit waiting in the wings, vice president and global market strategist at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. She'll join us right after Global News. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says that he will not pursue the entire judicial overhaul as originally was planned. Ed Baxter has global news in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, Brian, exactly. Netanyahu says he's giving it uh, time to hash out. In an exclusive interview with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix, he did say it will rebalance the branches of government. I'm still going to give it several months to try to get another consensus. What is it? It would probably be about the composition of the uh, committee that elects judges. 
with the selection of the judges, yes. how they're selected. Right. That's, that's basically what's left. Now he says a pendulum should not swing all the way from one side to the other. China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi has invited the European Union's top diplomat, Joseph Borrell, and his delegation for a visit in the fall. This after a trip to Beijing was postponed earlier in the year. The two spoke by phone uh, earlier to set up the early groundwork as well. The statement says they exchanged views on regional issues, including Ukraine and Niger. Now, we're getting a glimpse of Donald Trump's potential legal defense against the charges in the latest indictment regarding election interference. The main theme is that Donald Trump firmly believed that Mike Pence did have the ability to not go ahead with a certification of the election. Now, Trump attorney John Laurel on ABC, as heard here on Bloomberg, says there is an interesting judicial line. You may think that somebody is acting um, inappropriately under constitutional principles, but Mr. Pence, who's a lawyer, never said to Mr. Trump, I think what you're doing is criminal. And that's very important. But former Attorney General William Barr, who served with Trump, says Mr. Trump knew he told him three occasions at least. And uh, I, I told him in no uh, uncertain terms that there was no evidence of fraud that would have changed the outcome. And Barr says a creation of a separate slate of electors. Well, that's just very damning. One that he keeps on repeating is, you know, that there were more uh, that more uh, people voted than absentee ballots that were requested. And that was mixing apples and oranges. And once that was explained to him, uh, we should we should have heard no more about that. As for attorney Lauro on Pence. If he testifies consistent with his book, then President Trump will be acquitted. And says he can't wait to get him on the stand. Pence says he has notes and on CBS told Trump on many occasions, no. I knew the founders of this country would never have given any one person the right to choose what electoral college votes to accept and which ones to reject. Uh, I was very consistent with the president about that, uh, and my recollections all reflect that. Now, running alongside this, the court may rule as early as tomorrow on what steps to take regarding Trump exclaiming that he will go after the people who have gone after him, as well as what evidence should be given to the Trump legal team. And uh, the U.S. lab that was able to finally produce nuclear fusion that produced more energy than it took to create it has done it again. Lawrence Livermore Labs here in the Bay Area says after several unsuccessful tries last week, it completed its process called inertial confinement and that it was successful. Says it wants to go a step's future to get high-power magnets that could be used by power plants. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat in London. And our guest is Mira Pandit, Vice President and Global Market Strategist at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. 
U.S. equity futures are up a little bit. Uh, we have the jobs report to talk about this morning, Mira, and so many other things, too. Uh, we can look more closely at Berkshire Hathaway's earnings and and uh, some of these stories uh, here in Asia. But let's start off with the jobs. There's still some debate on whether this was a net positive or a net negative. You had kind of a weak headline number, uh, but then you had unemployment going down uh, and wages were pretty firm. So how did you read it? I read it as a mixed report. I mean, some people are calling it Goldilocks. I, I might still call it a bit mixed because if you think about the 187,000 jobs that were created, that is consistent with a more neutral labor market in terms of job gains. But then on the other hand, you did have that elevated wage gain. And that has some people concerned about how that might play out from an inflation standpoint. And more importantly, in the near term, how the Fed is going to digest this data. And when we think about what the Fed has to contend with, we might want to focus on that slower job growth. They might want to focus on stickier wages. We might want to focus on falling headline CPI. They might focus on stickier uh, core inflation. So I think the challenge with the jobs report is it doesn't give a clear enough signal that uh, the, the economy is kind of zooming into equilibrium. Amira, uh, we're going to be getting CPI figures this week. Uh, what are you looking at? And when does the higher oil price start to feed in? I know they'll be looking at the core, but certainly this is something which everybody does actually have to pay ultimately. And it has a feed through to other parts of the uh, inflation kind of components that are in the basket. Absolutely. We can't get too hung up on only core inflation because the reality is headline is what Americans actually pay and therefore it influences inflation expectations. So that does play into the Fed's calculus long term. When I think about this week, we're likely to see some moderate gains in both headline and core CPI. But I think we have to consider on the year over year basis how those base effects are going to play out over the next couple of months. Because headline CPI peaked last year in June. Therefore, the base effects going forward are going to be less. So if you see things like higher oil prices, potentially higher food prices, that could slightly raise headline inflation. If we think about core, we actually saw that peak in core inflation last year in September. So we potentially have some reports ahead of us that could actually bring some of the gas out of that core number. But we don't quite know when that's going to play out. And that's a little bit tricky when we think about the Fed's timeline over the course of the fall. If we do start to see inflation tick up a little bit, I wouldn't necessarily think about it as a genuine reacceleration in inflation, though. Would you see, do you estimate that equity flows then would would basically be moving from the U.S. to other markets? And if so, which ones do you like? Potentially, you could see some movement abroad. But the reality is the U.S. is kind of stuck in a pretty comfortable place where equities are past the inflation spikes and the Fed hikes. And yet they're looking for some sign of souring economy or souring uh, profit growth. And yet that hasn't happened yet. So I'm not sure that there's a clear catalyst for a sell off. And yet with valuations as expensive as they have gotten with a significant rally this year, there is some vulnerability there we have to be aware of. So I do think from an investment standpoint, it's important to look at valuations and prices above all. And we're seeing internationally that there are some areas across the world that look a whole lot cheaper than the U.S. and still have some room to run. And I think about what's been driving global equities this year. And you see in areas like Europe and Japan that there's genuine earnings upside that is helping out equities. Um, you see areas like Latin America, where easing central banks are starting to have that input on uh, equity valuations overall. So I do think some of those areas abroad can, can add nicely to a diversified portfolio. Growth versus value, Mira, quickly. 
still kind of stuck in, do we care about style? Do we care about sector? I'd say we care about companies underneath the surface and which companies are actually managing through some of the headwinds as it relates to margins and as it relates to revenues. So that's really where I'm keeping my eye on as opposed to one specific style or sector, how company management is doing and how valuations are doing. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.